The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In the South, it's always college football season and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It's Friday on the Chuck Oliver Show. We're talking college football. I appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate Dan being here and David and y'all being here as well. And our wonderful guests that join us every single show. Thank you to Matt Merchell. That's right, from the Orlando Sentinel. Join us in hour one. We talked uh, Florida's state law, which I don't like all of that stuff, but you got to kind of understand it when there's something that starts to drive the sport as much as this does. So the TV contracts, like previously, I would go, oh, wow, look at that TV contract. We move on. When, because I, I'm getting the game win. Okay, that's what I care about, the TV contract. And then big picture, you check in about revenue and such. Um, Off-field is just, I, when it's something that is not really going to affect me or on-field in a direct way, most times I choose, you know, whatever settlement you're working on with the ex-coach, That's yeah, yeah, work it out. Do it inside. Don't do it in the front yard. Do it inside. But I don't care about that most often. Name, image, likeness drives sport, man. So we talked Matt Marshall again from the Orlando Sentinel about that, but then also Florida individually, what they're doing with their redirected efforts with the Gator Collective, and that is still an entity operating under that name. I don't have any business or marketing expertise, but I can tell you, you should change your name. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Brian Haydad, Super Talk. We're going to talk Mississippi State, bottom of the hour. Tim O'Malley, Irish Illustrated, Notre Dame football. Alabama will not replace its departing production. There are times we have all said that about a lot of different players and programs, and sometimes it's coincided with the coach went to the NFL and all the best players left sometimes. Alabama, it's something that we really don't say. And it's also something that Alabama doesn't always have to do. Because you may not need to replace all of the production from Derrick Henry if suddenly you have a really good and deep ground game, but Jalen Hurts emerges, or you know whatever it is. So there are times they lose studs, and you're like, man, there's no way to replace that. And most often, I'm going to give an example uh, like, Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State, that kid led the SEC in total offense. And I don't know what he ever could have been in, as an NFL quarter. I don't know. I know as an SEC quarterback, man, he was just fantastic. And he had moments where he just took over ball games. He's great. When he left Mississippi State, that's the kind of – you, like, really have to do a double take and go, what are they going to do there? And that's sort of normal. And sometimes Mississippi State replaces the guy. Sometimes. 
but you can look, it's fair. And actually it's, I think due diligence at a program that achieves on a regular basis at the six, seven, eight win level as a regular sort of thing. I think you look at him and go, all right, I can replace that guy. KJ Jefferson. Arkansas is a good program. Real good. Well coached pockets. KJ Jefferson leaves. It's due diligence. You're supposed to. All right, what's next on the list? Oh, Arkansas had a stud leave? Well, you better deep dive who they got because they're not replaced. If he's a, like Darren McFadden, they don't replace Darren McFadden. K.J. Jefferson, they don't replace Darren McF- uh, K.J. Jefferson. They don't replace Ryan Mallett until like a few years go by, and then they replace him with a guy who's sort of like Ryan Mallett. And then he leaves in a few years, and they're, oh, K.J. Jefferson. You're supposed to look at Missouri. Do y'all remember James Franklin, not the coach, the quarterback? Whoo, man, what a good, good player he was. He run the ball too, big enough, thick. He had really good receivers, but he was a good quarterback there. When James Franklin left, now there might be an answer, but when James Franklin, a player like that leaves Missouri, it is absolutely fair to look and go, okay, who else do you have? Because it it normally isn't a guy like that. That's just you paying attention. At Alabama, it's unusual to have that response. Wait a minute. I need to see something here because I am suspicious. You ain't replacing that production. I'm going past that. They're not. And I may have wanted to say that after Mac Jones left and they exceeded it. I may wanted to have say, said that after Tua left and the offense at least exceeded it. But when Mac Jones left, he's a first-round draft pick. Alabama exceeded Mac Jones at quarterback with Bryce Young at quarterback. When Tua left, the offense exceeded the offense in 2020 versus 2000. Well, I don't even know how I'm saying that, but it happened. I watched it. That's not going to happen again. And we all know that Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, boy, are they totally different quarterbacks. They both got their scholarships for a reason and they're five stars. And there's this, we all know and they're all, they're just fizz, they're studs and they know the game and there's 50 great things to say about them. They're not going to produce the way Bryce Young has produced. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Here's my fact. They're not, neither Jalen Milrow nor Ty Simpson will throw 79 touchdowns the next two seasons. See, I just stated a fact there. Will either of them win the Heisman? That could happen. I don't suppose it'll be this year. But I guess that could happen going forward. But they're not going to have that production. Jameer Gibbs, I'm going to say this. They spotted that kid some. And he still was just amazing. He had almost like 1,400 yards total offense and like 15 touchdowns. And they spotted him. He was vital to the team. When I say they spotted him, they didn't wear him out carrying the football because he caught more passes than anybody on the team. Now, Jameer Gibbs, 
I'm trying to remember exactly what the quote was, but I talked to Gary Danielson, and this was maybe going into the Iron Bowl. And he said, he said some, a superlative, it was some comment that Jameer Gibbs is as skilled as any SEC running back that Gary Danielson has ever done color analysis on. Like, he gave Jameer Gibbs the, he's as good as anybody since I've been doing these games. And I can't tell you, he's, I didn't watch Bo Jackson at Auburn. I didn't watch Herschel Walker. You, you know what? You know who you win the bar bet with? Kevin Falk. Like, go to Kevin Falk after that. Uh, I didn't go to Ke- – look at the numbers. Um, I didn't see Kevin Falk at LSU is what Gary Danielson – he saw Jameer Gibbs, and he was like, as good as anybody I've seen. The production there, they're going to have a hard time replacing with one guy, and that does matter. Now, ultimately, you need touchdowns. You need points. And then right next to that, you need yards, and then you get the points. They're not going to replace the yards and the points from Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. Now, that is in part because you have an all-time player in Bryce Young, and for Gary Daniels and a guy who's done SEC football every single week for like a decade and a half, he's like, yep, he's as good. That's the level of the running back you replace. So part of that comment that I'm stating as a fact, you're not doing it, is how great they are. Part of it is I'm looking at the rest of the players based on what I have seen from them so far. And I don't have any sort of idea that Jalen Milrow is going to step in and be halfway to 80 touchdowns after a season. And Ty Simpson, it seems to be a bit much. Seems. I don't know that. Seems. Jameer Gibbs, here's the thing. Well, they can replace him with two or three guys, but it takes two or three guys. There is value because you can use the other guys to do other things. And I'm talking about even like next running back in, go, no, I want somebody who hadn't had a carry all day and he can go return kicks or punt. Or in the fourth quarter, he has fresh legs. You see where this goes. So they're not replaced. So I don't know that that's a provocative statement that I'm stating it as fact is the lead into this next part, though. They're not replacing that uh, production. Now, they'll find another way to succeed. They have to. But saying Bama isn't going to replace the production of Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs isn't really the takeaway here because they're great all-time players, according to somebody who does games every week. I don't think Alabama's going to replace the production of Cameron Latu. He was way too important to them. I mean, way too vital to their passing game sometimes. And I'm supposed to, especially in the red zone, I don't know, maybe. But, like, that was a real find. And Alabama didn't have fines because everybody comes there with just sterling resumes. I mean, it's an earned spot. So, you can look at a few other spots, like Will Anderson. Wow. Wow. Will, I, will they replace Will Anderson? Uh, they they won't have anybody who's a better player. They Dallas Turner could replace the production. Love Dallas Turner. They're not going to replace Will Anderson, though. See, that's – and you kind of expect that. The problem is when you have, like, Brian Branch, who – you had Brian Branch and Malachi Moore that were kind of jockeying for position as true freshmen. Now Brian Branch has extended so far past more. 
he's going to draft early and is going to be a first-round pick. They're not replacing that, I don't think. And they got talent back there. Malachi Moore's not as good. They were shoulder to shoulder, and every the coaching staff's like, all right, this guy. So this looks to be a bit different, and I mean finger and thumb, half inch apart. It looks to be just a bit different than every other time when we say, well, they can't replace that because we don't really say that. We say, man, it's going to be tough to replace Tua. And then Mac Jones surprised them. Tough to replace Mac Jones, and then they do. Be tough to replace Trent Richardson, and then they do. Um, we've we've seen all that before. This to me, because of the entire context of all of it, it looks to be just a little bit different for Nick Saban in that challenge this year. This is um, again, as I've said, this is getting a little further away from the goal, not closer. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Continue on this Friday next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Rolling through Friday on the Chuck Oliver Show and... I was having a conversation, I think all fair yesterday with somebody about the Georgia program and there it's a monster and you just feed the machine a little bit and it spits out another title of some sort. And I said, we always overlook two items. And I said, I'm not saying it undoes Georgia. I'm saying when a monster gets undone, a lot of times, hey, what should we have seen? What did we miss? When there is a change at quarterback and play caller, like both of them, when there's a change at quarterback and play caller, Folks, when it gets undone, when a monster gets undone, a lot of times that's it. we just breeze past that, man. We don't pay nearly enough attention to that. Well, Mississippi State, for instance, they got a new head coach, and he is familiar, and he was there, but he's the new head coach. And uh, you were supposed to ask questions, will the offense look any different? I'm, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> that's going to be my guess. Uh, and so you have to extrapolate from there. Okay, what about the personnel? Does personnel look different? Um, there's always the opportunity, man. It's the SEC, and it is a new staff and a new day, especially on offense. I want to welcome on right now co-host of Sports Talk Mississippi, the whole network throughout the state. It is Brian Haydad. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing all right, Chuck. How are you? Doing all right. Let's talk uh, Zach Arnett and just coaching staff. Did I see right Greg Knox back in town. That's pretty awesome. Um, but there is, uh, there's a new look on offense. Um, tell me, tell me about the hire and the staff being complete as far as the on-field guys, uh, and what you think specifically offensively this is going to look like. Well, it's going to look a lot different. As you, as you said, you know, the, the days of Mike Leach obviously are, are passing. Nobody called offense like, like Mike Leach. His air raid was different than everybody else's air raid. And even though everybody puts some air raid in their offense nowadays, you know, Mississippi State's going to be going to, uh, a different look for sure, and then there'll there'll be more of an emphasis on the running game uh, this season in Starville than you've seen the past you know three years. Kevin Barbe coming over from App State, you know a guy who you know Mike Leach talked about balance, and he didn't really care about fifty fifty. He just wanted to get yards. I think Kevin Barbe is more about actual balance that he wants to, to run the ball and pass the ball, and, and you know he's definitely a coach who when you look at his his career. 
there have been games where his team has thrown the ball 40, 50 times. And there are games where his team runs the ball 40, 50 times. He is, he is definitely going to take what's given to him. But his big, uh, his big message is this, to find his best 11 and to find specifically in that 11 who are the top playmakers and how many different ways can you get them the ball. So for me, when I, when I look at Mississippi State, the two names that pop out to me are Woody Marks and Tulu Griffin. Those are going to be the two guys this year that I think sort of State builds around and then everybody else compliments them on that offensive side of the ball. What does this mean, Will Rogers? That's a good question because I, I was thinking about Will the other day and, and I was having a debate with Richard Richard Cross on Sports Talk Mississippi and we're talking about Will and I'm talking about, you know, if he has a good season this year, because he's been, you know, labeled unfairly or fairly, however you want to look at it, as a system quarterback, right? He puts up these numbers because he's in Mike Leach's system. He throws the ball six, 700 times a year. So he's going to put up these kind of numbers. Well, what if he goes out and has a great year this year, throws for over 3,000 yards, throws for another 30 touchdowns? And in this system, what, what kind of NFL future does that provide for him? You know, there's been a lot of questions about Will at the next level, the arm strength, the mobility, and I get those, but if he has a great year under a second system like this, then I think that you know that, that opens up a possibility for him. If nothing else with Will, you know he's not going to turn the ball over. He'll be accurate with his passing. Maybe he doesn't put up the monster numbers anymore, but at the same time, I think he's still going to be a big asset for Mississippi State. And what you were just talking about there, about having a returning quarterback in that leadership, having Will Rogers back, that's huge uh, for Mississippi State in this, in this era of transition. All right, there are a lot of right ways to do it. Um, and, I mean, you know SEC history. He can construct a tower and watch practice from the tower. Uh, or there, I've seen guys get, you know, quote, promoted to head coach, and they're like, yeah, I'm still going to coach linebackers. Um, I don't think that's the right way to go. But, you know, whatever. How do you think – how's Zach Arnett going to do this? Is he going to be um, just the CEO visiting around, or is he going to stay over on defense and it's going to look all the same? Someone tells me he won't be in the tower, but I, th- I do think he, he will have more of a CEO approach. You know, he's he isn't coaching a position this year. Uh, he, he, he's he's done away with all those duties. Uh, he made Matt Brock his defensive coordinator, has promoted him from already on staff. Uh, Brock had been here since the beginning with him uh, in, in 2020 uh, and has developed a really good reputation here as not only an on-field coach but as a recruiter. Um, and then offensively, I actually asked him, I said, you know, sometimes, you know, because with Leach, Arnett had so much freedom. He, knew he could do whatever he wanted defensively. I said, are you going to grant that same freedom to Barbe offensively? He's like, well, since I have exactly zero experience coaching offense, I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I expect him to be a little bit more of that CEO type head coach. But he's also, you know, being a first-time head coach, he's surrounded himself with some veteran guys, not only on the field. You know, I think his, his, his comment was he has over 100 years of SEC coaching experience on his staff, with guys like David Turner and Tony and Will Friend. But off the field, he's brought in a couple of two or three former head coaches to be part of his of his of his staff, and I think he's doing that not only because they're good people and good people to have around and help in the recruiting process, but just to have some guys to bounce ideas off of. Guys like Joey Jones, who was at South Alabama for a long yeah. time, Steve Campbell was, was has been a head coach around this country for for many years. So he's got guys like that on his staff that he can bounce things off of. So. I'm interested to see what Arnett looks like. I think he'll be a, a good head coach. I think the early signs are promising for him. But this is a guy who's, who's never had to wear the big hat, so we'll see what happens when we get to, uh, to Labor Day weekend. And I did see that name, right? Greg Knox is back. Is that just a guy that I kind of am fond of, or is like that actually kind of a big deal? 
I like Knox. He's back as an analyst, interestingly enough. So he is he is not an on the field staff coach. But it's you know the way they redid things. Tony Hughes is now coaching running backs. I don't know that Hughes has ever coached running backs. So what do you do? You go get a veteran SEC running backs coach who's coached what four thousand yard rushers at Mississippi State, and you make him your offensive analyst. That's 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 just smart. That's another idea. When I when I say the early warning, the early signs for Arnett are promising. That's the kind of decision that I look at and go. That's that's just smart coaching. Brian, thank you for your time on this Friday, brother. Anytime, Chuck. Have a good one. Brian, hey, Dad. Brian, H-A-D-A-D. Brian, hey, Dad on Twitter. That's what it is. And again, with Cross and everybody all afternoon across Mississippi. Uh, yeah, he's a senior offensive analyst. Greg Knox has been coaching about 30 years. And like I said, I, I'm transparent. There are guys that you just kind of have maybe been around a little bit on the periphery. Um, and then there are other guys, and I don't know Greg Knox at all, just kind of been around him. And then I, you hear kind of the same things um, and consistently. And I'm like, well, I saw the name. I was like, that's a that's a nice get. I don't know if the threshold has changed, but I do recall that it was as simple as, because there's all kinds of fudging and the Nick Saban bump rule, you know, you had to define that. You had to say, you have 30 seconds because sometimes stuff does happen. I'm walking down the 400 hall and it's science and LJ, the recruit is supposed to be in math, but oh, he's on the 400 hall. I bumped into him. You have 30 seconds to debump. So you have to, you have to kind of put guidelines on this, um, exactly what a guy can do. The guideline as far as if an off-field analyst or support staff member can interact with kids, if a football is present, he cannot or she cannot. That was the, that was the guideline. Once football shows up, you got equipment, okay, now nah, it's a practice. You can't do that. And so I don't know, Greg Knox, again, senior offensive analyst, that certainly describes him. But uh, And if you have a first-time running backs coach, here's you want technique and three points and you know cover the ball, work your legs. Man, you got to learn to pass block. It's as I've told you, it's instinctive, man. And you can recruit and you can be a great running backs coach. And so Greg Knox is there from all the technical points, but he's also a relationship guy and Greg's the wheels guy and just another great voice. Uh, it's that eyeballs there, whether you're, you know, analyzing high school tape or you're self-scouting or the opponent or anything else. So just good stuff there. And that's an example of what you're supposed to do with the sports staff. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer.
Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Friday on the Chuck Oliver Show. Appreciate y'all coming here for your commentary. And I appreciate uh, all the guests that Dan Matthews gets on. Uh, if you were listening to Hour One, it was awesome. We had Matt Marshall from the Orlando Sentinel on. Talking not only stuff in the state capitol, and we're changing. I told you, Alabama, that was a motivated state legislature. Whoa, this is screwing with college football in state? They went roundup on the bill. It's gone. Look, there it is. No, no more law. It took a much longer, I was going to say it took a while, but it took a much longer time in the state of Florida. But they did get around to at least removing most of the restrictions, the handcuffs, the hemming in. The Honestly, it was, you know what the Maginot line was? It was this silly thing that I think a guy in France was like, we're going to keep the Nazis out of our country. What are we going to do? We're going to build like these bunch of little like, odd-shaped boulders and blockades and obstacles. And like Hitler's like, yeah, okay, we'll go around it. Um so you still have to go around it, but it's kind of a, it's just, it's an obstacle. That's sort of what this was. You could get around it, but it was just kind of a, it's like, eh, we got to make the effort. Um, and it slows us down and that's not really what we want in name image likeness. And so they got the, I said that as just one example. Okay. Um, Alabama was a state that said, yeah, okay, no more law. Florida was motivated to action. Alabama, all it was, was, whoa, wait a minute. Look, the other states didn't all pile in. We thought that we were leading the parade, and the other states was like, nah, we'll just go by the NCAA's direction, which wasn't much. So Alabama got motivated simply as screwing with college football in-state. Florida got motivated, I think, in part by the just the embarrassment and to put finally put bacon grease on it. Um, and of some of the recent headlines. And so, it, but there was also a very important, there was also part of it, uh, the delay was, it wasn't, oh, and Jane Rashad, so get it done now. That wasn't the case, but it'll motivate you. Part of the delay was, and I mentioned this just a little bit with Michelle, and we didn't talk about it nearly enough, but we, I said the education part. And if, if you remember that, you're like, yeah, what, what were you talking about? Uh, like scholarships, they get to go to grad school, they get a doctorate. I don't know, maybe if that's what they choose to do with their money. No, the education part that is included, it's financial literacy, basically. Uh, I was at a function two weeks ago with some like serious bigwig name, image, likeness folks. And I didn't know any of them when I showed up. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, am I in the wrong party? And so I'm listening to them talk about name, image, likeness. And the lack of financial literacy, or I'll say beyond, I mean, financial literacy, like you have to pay taxes on this. What do you mean? I'm just a college kid. No, but that's income. That's literacy. That's just being able to navigate and understand that's literacy. And so that's part of it. Um, you hope to get to financial savviness and skill and deafness that is a high bar 
and some of it is socioeconomic background. I don't know anything about how Christian Leitner grew up, but I know he went to Duke and he was viewed as another, you know, he's just a rich kid from Duke. Uh, he and some other former Duke players, like if you Google Christian Leitner, real estate, bankruptcy, et cetera, I'm assuming he had some financial literacy and savviness and he was a bright enough bulb that wound up millions and millions and millions of dollars in debt. Big real estate development didn't happen and he and there were some other reforms. So it can happen to anybody. All right. Now take someone, and again, I don't know about his background. I just know he went to Duke and you're like, all right, well, he's got, you know, he's got a bean. He's got a, he's, he's got something between his ears. Uh, if you go to someplace other than Duke, and I've said that there's two categories, there's like 14 places that are really elite. And then there's kind of everybody else. Uh, you could have gone any other place, Giant State School, and you could be from any other place. You're from Cleveland, Tennessee, and you wind up going to Missouri. You may not have any background knowledge. As far as money, investments, what? What's a portfolio? I had a coworker. This is an adult. And... I was talking about an SEC investigation into Jim Donnan. And we were doing this on the air. And a colleague was like, well, well, why does Mike Slive care what he's investing in? I'm like, no, there's another SEC. There really is. Uh, so that is, again, grown adult. Um, financial literacy? Financial savvy? How about... Let's just get make sure every athlete, and this is what they want to get to with the financial, I said the financial literacy education part of it. Let's make sure every athlete who gets whatever money comes in, they're not just borrowing the money or they're not just holding the money for a while and then they'll be back where they were before. Let's make sure that there is at least a chance you understand that, I don't know, like I know somebody, she had a letter from her granddad pinned on the cork board. And it's, it, was, it was a handwritten letter. Save 10% of every paycheck. You'll never be poor. Now, that's not true, but it's a pretty good step towards not being poor. You'll always have some savings to turn to. And so she had that lesson. Not everybody even has that. So let's just make sure that the athletes aren't just holding the money for a few years, maybe, or decade, and then they're not holding the money anymore. And it really wasn't theirs. They just kind of got to hold it for a while uh so that was a big deal that they're including in there and then again brian hey dad appreciate him talking mississippi state football we're gonna take a quick break come back wrap up on this friday next now back to southern sports today and the chuck oliver show um i i think this just shows you kind of where the, the laws still need to be worked on. I mean, there still needs to be some sort of national, uh, you know, national law in place, national some sort of way to kind of help with these guidelines to help this situation. I think at some point, you know, the schools are going to have to be able to get involved in this. Matt Michelle, Orlando Sentinel, and he was on earlier today, um, and he was talking about whoever gets involved. I don't know. It could be the schools, could be the conferences, not going to be schools or conferences. Uh, could be the NCAA, 
Mm, I think the NCAA has made it clear they're going to turn to uh, Congress. Somebody needs to get involved to sort of bring at least some standardization, maybe, um, to bring some sort of consistency and and either not standardization, but at least minimum standards, to name, image, likeness. And that's great, but that's a poli- – and he's right. So this is not me mocking anybody. This is like a politician. And better schools for your kids. And you're standing there going, well, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And lower crime. You should be able to walk your streets at night. And you're like, yeah, I should be. Yeah, I'm going to vote. Okay. Let's talk about the details. And I don't have those details yet. I really don't. Um, I have talked about the need for game wreckers. So I appreciate Matt Michelle coming on earlier today. Need for game wreckers because when I've got different level of talent, that's how I'm going to win on a particular Saturday. And how it projects and how and if it projects even to Sunday is a totally different thing for a running back, quarterback, anybody else. I don't care about that. Not my discussion. But I've talked about game wreckers. And that different level of talent, how you can run a normal play or less of a play or kind of no play, and you can succeed simply because he's better. There is a 50-50 proposition here, and it's not as far as, you know, what's difficult, half difficulty. It's not, no, 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 no. There's a 50-50 proposition here that you really need both inputs or play's not likely to work. Every coach can do this, though. The coach is half of the proposition. Every coach who's on a college staff should be able to handle his or her half of it. Only elite players can win their half. I can scheme you one-on-one. And if I'm talking about the OC at LSU... I'm talking about the play caller. He's the quarterback coach. He's not the OC. Uh, he's the quarterback coach at Minnesota. If I am talking about a high school coach who just got hired as an analyst at North Texas, folks, I'm kind of talking about me. Now, I'm not talking about me. But I'm talking about anybody who you give the chalk to, you give them that dry erase marker and say, hey, go up that whiteboard. Every single coach who is who can get hired on a college staff, I'll give you a name like Damian Craig. I remember, well, does he really coach? Boy, he recruits. I don't know if that's true or not. I know that, that was the reputation. Give Damian Craig the dry erase marker. He'll, he'll look like beautiful mind up there. And everything he throws up there, he, he can scheme you to a one-on-one. Then you have to win. Now, can I scheme you open? Sometimes I can, and that's like a goal line play, which I want to know how you the the pick pick out. I don't know. I don't know. You've got to be able to switch off or like guess right or fight through it, or you may wind up picking off your own defender. But there are times when that's not actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and win for you. All you have to do is catch it. I'm saying in a normal situation, not when it's first and goal on the two and the defense is like, well, they've quarterback sneaked five times, and so we've got to sell out for that. 
I'm saying all things being equal, I'm going to scheme you a one-on-one. But at that point, you have to win, and you're only going to get those players at and keep them through name, image, likeness, which is why we were talking about That's just what it, it has overnight. There were so many reasons that you may have picked your school. Um, and now Mark Rick said it himself. It's money and then all these other reasons. Now, the other reasons, occasionally in the pie graph, it was school. Mark Rick said it was always girls' football school. He said now it's going to be money, girls' football school. Man, that sounds like a pretty good um, uh, order. But the order is not the same as the division. It's not, well, there were three, and so they were 33% apiece. It was girls' football school. It might have been like 40-40-20. Maybe, or 45, 45, 10, or it might have been. With name, image, likeness? I think it's like 80, 15, and then, all right, we'll handle the rest of it. I'll handle the rest of it. I'll get around to the rest of it. There is actually is the matter of playing football, or there's supposed to be. And for an elite player like Quinn Ewers, you know, realize there didn't have to be. I told you earlier... Jimbo Fisher, find an article, and now I, it has to be labeled, and they're going to do this. Find an article labeled 2023 hot seat that doesn't include Jimbo Fisher. You can't do it. Quinn Ewers, find an elite elite college uh, recruits from 2021. Find a list that doesn't include Quinn Ewers. can't do it. You are supposed to have to get on the field. He didn't. He went to Ohio State, and he got name, image, likeness, was there like four months, took off, back to Texas. I'm supposed to say, for so to get elite players, that's not true. To keep elite players. Quinn Ewers is a great example of it. To keep elite players. Texas A&M's recruiting class from last year, that is a great um, example of getting the players and – keeping the players, retaining the players. It has become extremely doable to get the players. Keeping the players, that's the goal. It's either retention or it's limiting attrition. You can call it whatever you want. But to get those type of players where, all right, I've done my job, you're going to be better. I talked about Calvin Johnson. That's a generational sort of guy. He really is. Calvin Johnson, I'm just going to scheme you to a one-on-one. And you're going to win. When you have that type of kid, he changes games and seasons, maybe coaching careers. Before, there were only three entries, and there was some division, uh, not equal, but you kind of, the choices were more limited. You just dropped an 80% factor to get those types of kids into the equation. Uh, Speaking of money involved, coaches. And I mean at every level. I think to a greater degree, coaches now have a leverage option for, you know, I'm talking about pay, a little do-re-me, more so than ever before. And there is a, there's a category, there's a, just one little detail that you have to add on the end here. When it comes to getting paid, it is about keeping your job and the big buyout and everything else. But certainly in the NFL, I'm telling you, in college as well and again a detail going to do tv instead of coaching 
while still in their coaching prime, that's a leverage option that these guys have never had before or very few of them have ever pushed that button. John Madden did it. He was a head coach for nine years. He had won a Super Bowl, and I think it was like a year or maybe two seasons later, and he's like, out. And at the time, I remember he said it was his doctor. He said, you got to stop eating burritos, and you got to retire from coaching. There's pictures. Yeah, maybe you've seen it. I don't. Do y'all know John Madden was a coach, head coach, Oakland Raiders, and they won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl eleven, and then maybe a year after that, he coached another season, then he quit. There are pictures of him just, I mean, crushing heaters on the sidelines during games, working it, man. And he was overweight, and he talked about that, and he ate too many. Apparently, burritos was his thing. And the stress of being a head coach in the NFL. He's like, yep, not going to do it anymore. Not many others did. Madden left and went and did TV. But here's the difference. He did leave in his coaching prime. Here's the difference. He didn't know that's really what he was doing. He just knew that the doctor said, you need to quit. He was like, oh, man, all right. Well, I got to do something. I need a job. I got I to occupy my day, and I would like some income. All right, well, I'll try TV. he wasn't angling for a raise. He was looking to avoid cardiac arrest. It's different now. And for some coaches like Tom Harmon, he's back in the game, but I asked him when we talked to him, I guess Wednesday coach uh, during the time, because the bears didn't bring him back. He's like, well, maybe I'll do some TV. He's in his coaching prime. When And I, I said, so you had other programs play footsie? He's like, yeah, but I was doing some TV. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? When Texas calls, I think you take the Texas job, I think. When FAU calls, and I love FAU. I'd love to live in Boca right now. Um, when FAU calls, if you're Tom Herman, you can say, yeah, I'm in my coaching prime. I understand that. That's why you want me, but eh, maybe I'll do TV. And they're like, oh. Because before it was, hey, we saw these other two programs have talked to you, and we're better programs than them, and we all know that. So let's just put the cards on the table. You know what the better program than all of them uh, is? The pregame show. That's the best, the better program you want to work for is the TV program in your prime. It used to be can't get hired anymore. When I was, I've talked about this phenomenon. I was, I started watching NFL football as like an everyday, like every Sunday from about third grade on, mom, let's leave church. She, cause Methodist in the South, you got to talk in the parking lot for about 45 minutes. Like, no, we got kickoff. I didn't know Pat Summerall had played in the league until I was like in high school. And I started watching that every, like as a second grader, third grader. Um, it used to be just guys that were done. I didn't know Frank Broyles had been a coach. I just knew he was the old guy on the TV broadcast. Hank Stram, I just knew he's the old guy on the TV broadcast. No, it's when you weren't the coach anymore and you were now, now it's a coaching prime. So it is one more hurdle for ADs. Dan, how's your Friday as you wrap up your week, brother? Oh, man, really good. And it's been a great week, and it's going to be even better next week as we get even closer to the college football season. And a couple of things you just talked about right there. That is modern-day college football. It is mitigating losses, and it's getting as many numbers as you can because now the race is pretty much just get to the 85. I mean, what do we see in the NFL with personnel departments? It is whiteboards with magnets on it, and it is, hey, let's just figure out a way to, through training camp, have our 90, our 75, 
all the way down to our 53. That's what our goal needs to be. It's not about, you know, just trying to keep every single player because you're just not going to be able to do that. There's going to be certain needs. There's going to be retirement. There's going to be all these different types of things, and that's now the reality of uh, college football. There's no doubt. Uh, I got bad news for Kevin Sumlin. If history tells us anything, there is not going to be any other chance than what he's about to undertake at Maryland with Mike Loxley because, Chuck, I think we can agree – You get one, and what is one? You get one failure as a head coach because very rarely do we ever see the opportunities for anyone in college coaching, much less coaching in general, get much more than a second mulligan. And in this case right here for Kevin Sumlin, he was perceived to have failed at Texas A&M. That's why he ended up at Arizona. It did not work out at Arizona, and that's why he found himself coaching in one of these spring football leagues. So now he's going to get a chance with Mike Loxley to be able to try to prove himself. And if indeed he is able to go there and he gets all the accolades and everything in terms of, yeah, hey, you know, for all of those uh, out there looking for a head coach, you'd be hard-pressed to not pick Kevin Sumlin. I think he is going to have a lot of people who are going to be in line in front of him before he gets that opportunity again. Always liked him. I always thought he'd be really good as an OC. Funny, he's a linebacker in college. Man, he's thought about strictly on offense. He knows what he's doing, man. I always, like I said, I liked him as a coach. Did work out at Texas A&M. It's worked out as much as it has for Jimbo Fisher. But someone don't have the job anymore, and Jimbo does. Wraps it up on a Friday for the week. David, fantastic on the ones and twos. Thank you, Dan, for all your work. Appreciate the guest and the listeners. Back Monday with more. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.